Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Toward Light podcast. This episode I'm going to share a story from the suttas, from the teachings of the Buddha, and then look at five lessons we can learn from this teaching. It's important to remember that these suttas, these teachings of the Buddha, were passed down orally for hundreds of years before they were written down. And it's my understanding that when they were written, they were written in the language of Pali, which is the language the Buddha spoke, but with Sinhalese letters. And they were also written in this language Pali that is no longer spoken. So when I share these teachings, when anyone shares these teachings, we are in no way directly quoting the Buddha. We're sharing what's been preserved and what we have access to based on translation and based on the countries that things have passed down through. So there are a lot of filters on these teachings. With all that being said, here's this story as I know it. Thus have I heard there was a man who was studying with a teacher And the teacher became suspicious of the student and told him that the only way he could pass his course of study was to collect 1,000 fingers. This man had spent his life working toward this moment, so he traveled the land taking people's fingers, murdering many of them to do so, and wore the fingers around his neck as a necklace. He became known as Angulimala, which translates as finger necklace. The more he killed, the more fierce he became, and more and more people learned about him. One day, the Buddha was on his alms round, and people kept warning him that Angulimala was in the vicinity, and then he should go back to the safety of where he was staying. This was the day that Angulimala was looking for his last finger. He had 999 and just needed that last one. He saw the Buddha and thought that having a finger from such an illustrious teacher would be an auspicious way to end his quest. So he began to run after the Buddha, but no matter how fast he ran, he could not catch the Buddha. Finally, he called out, stop, and the Buddha said, I have stopped Angulimala. Why haven't you? And Angulimala was so curious about this response and curious that this man did not seem to be afraid of him that he stopped running and asked the Buddha about what he meant. And the Buddha explained that he had stopped all forms of violence. And Angulimala was so inspired by this that he threw off his weapons and asked the Buddha to teach him and became a monk. Angulimala's life as a monk was not uneventful. The king came to the Buddha with a whole army because he was looking for Angulimala, the bandit, and the Buddha had to show him that Angulimala had changed and was not one to fear anymore. And often in his life as a monastic, Angulimala was tormented by others, dirt and rocks were thrown at him, and he was called names. But he was unreactive when these things happened, and eventually, through diligent practice, became a fully enlightened being. The story of Angulimala is a story that is repeated often, and there are many lessons in these teachings, and I will share five that stick out to me. The first is, at the beginning of the sutta, before he was Angulimala, and he had spent so much time learning from his teacher, 
that when the teacher asked him to collect fingers, he didn't resist it. He blindly followed his teacher. It's really important for us to remember that blind belief is not required in Buddhism. While doubt can be a hindrance, there are some forms of doubt that the Buddha instructed are wise forms of doubt, and one of those is doubt in our teachers. It's okay to question our teachers so that we will then have true faith in them. If a teacher or a person in power asks us to do something, it's important to explore if it aligns with our personal ethics and with our understanding of the teachings. And if it checks out, as we do the action or task, we then check in with ourselves to see if it's helping to lead us toward freedom or away from it. So this kind of skeptical doubt is welcome in our practice and necessary so that we can truly have faith in the path. So don't be afraid to question me or to question others you're receiving the teachings from. Don't start cutting people's fingers off just to gain some achievement or please your teacher. Question the teachings and see how they work in your life. The second lesson we can take from this teaching, and a reason I think it is repeated so often, is the hope that it creates for all of us, that regardless of past deeds, we can choose to work toward freedom at any moment. Angulimala was a bandit and a murderer, and still he was worthy of receiving the teachings when he asked for them. When Siddhartha Gautama sat under the Bodhi tree, he was plagued with many thoughts that threatened his capacity to wake up. And the final thought before he attained enlightenment was, who am I to be enlightened? How am I worthy? And in response, he touched the earth, reminding himself he didn't need to do anything special or be a certain way to be free. Just by taking human birth, we have the capacity to be free. There's no other requirement except willingness and commitment. For Angulimala, when the Buddha was not afraid of him and told him to stop, he was curious enough to listen and was willing to hear the Buddha's teaching. That was enough. I've had moments, and I'm sure you all have, where I haven't felt worthy of the teachings or where I've done something I regret and think I'm not on the Buddhist path anymore, or I question if I can really benefit from the teachings or if I'll ever be able to be free. And remembering this story of Angulimala can be helpful because it reminds me if he was worthy of the teachings, even after all his misdeeds, then I can be too. The third thing in this story that sticks out for me is the compassion of the Buddha. He saw the suffering that Angulimala was creating, and rather than shaming him or avoiding him, he chose to meet him and share the possibility of freedom with him. Sharon Salzberg says, Compassion is the strength that arises out of seeing the true nature of suffering in the world. The Buddha saw that the true suffering that was happening was Angulimala's inability to see there was another way to live. And the Buddha saw that he could offer that to him, another path. That compassion, that beautiful example of meeting the suffering that was arising without judgment is so inspiring to me. Would I face a mass murderer and see through their actions? I would like to think so, but I really doubt it. And so this compassion of the Buddha can be aspirational for us, a type of compassion that can sit with a murderer and see their possibility for freedom. That's a compassion we can all strive for. The fourth lesson that feels important to me is that the king came and needed to hear from the Buddha 
that Angulimala had changed and needed to see the changes for himself before he believed it and let down his defenses. So he needed to see Angulimala with his head shaved and his robes, peaceful, calm, before he could really believe that Angulimala had changed. We all need to believe in the possibility of change, and it's okay to want some proof or some reassurance before we fully believe it or change our behavior in response to the other person. If we're dealing with somebody who's an addict and they stop using and they tell us they've changed, we may need to witness some of those changes before we start treating them differently. And the king's response shows us that that's normal. The truth of change of Anicca is such a core part of the teachings, and we need to be willing to see the truth of change in ourselves and in others. This allows us to meet each moment with a sense of curiosity and possibility. The final lesson I want to highlight is that even after Angulimala became a monk and was following the teachings and following the precepts, there were still repercussions for his past actions. But because he was on the path, not causing harm, living an ethical life, the consequences weren't as intense as if he had still been murdering. Having dirt and rocks thrown at him wasn't pleasant, but the fruits of his karma could have been much worse if he wasn't dedicating his life to freedom. Bhikkhu Analyo explains this aspect of karma this way. The present repercussions of a particular deed from the past depend to a great extent on the overall current condition of the one who performed this deed previously. So we're never free from the repercussions of our past actions, but if we are living an ethical and free life, the consequences are less. This is not the best example, but it's an example that I hope will be helpful. I used to smoke cigarettes. I don't anymore but I could still get lung cancer or other diseases related to smoking cigarettes. But if I focus on my health in general, my heart and lung health in particular, do regular medical checkups, it's more likely that the consequences of that past action will be less. But if I continue to smoke, I may have other more serious consequences. So seeing that Angulimala had consequences for his actions, but because of the life he was living, they were less than they could have been, again, inspiring and hopeful. When I hear the story of Angulimala, the overarching themes for me are possibility of change, the fact that we're all worthy of freedom, and compassion. And this inspires me and urges me to be dedicated to my practice. It brings up this feeling of some vega of spiritual urgency. What has this story sparked in you? Is there a lesson or an idea you can apply to your practice or your life this week? I hope you enjoyed this story time episode of Toward Light. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at TowardLight108, and the website is TowardLight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.